This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is America's Car Radio Show. If it has throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone and smart speaker. This is our Auto Expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen, who discovered something that many of uh, car lovers have known for years, (laughs) which is if you put your key fob to your head, you can unlock your vehicle from a greater distance away. You were surprised by this? Yes. I had no idea. So key fobs work off a radio wave, which is the best way to explain it, Mm -hmm. uh, which uses water to send the signal. And therefore, if you put it to the largest ball of water in your body, no, not there, Jen, your head. No, it didn't work there. (laughs) Jen did try it there. It didn't work. Apparently, it works on my hips. (laughs) Works on your hip and your head. Yeah. And she could unlock the Kia K5, which she drove in today. Mm -hmm. You could unlock that with your your head and your hip. Yep. But nowhere else. Nope. (laughs) Apparently, I'm retaining water there. (laughs) Try it. It's it's a great exercise to stand away from your vehicle and try and unlock it and keep walking back until your key fob no longer works. And then stick it to your head and watch it work. Well, we're on the third third floor. floor. Yeah. Above the car park. Above the parking lot. And it's far away. So it was pretty interesting. Yeah, you was amazed by that. Fun fact. You know what amazed me this morning was the noise in the bathroom. What? The noise in the bathroom. <laughs> I couldn't understand what the jumping up and down was. <laughs> so I, I, you know, before the show, because we have a two-hour show here and uh, we have millions of people listening, so we thought we'd make sure that we're all ready and fresh to go, hit the restroom, and there was this racket in the restroom. Come to find out that Jen, when she goes to the ladies' room, has to jump up and down because the automatic light sensor doesn't see her. <laughs> No, so and, uh, no. and I've been going in the dark for a long time, so I finally figured out where I can jump to get the light to turn on. This picture. I wish this was television. <laughs> it would be so hilarious. <laughs> oh, sorry, Jen. It's okay. I'm but wearing my docks, and I'm five foot, so and my ponytail, so you'd think it would register I'm five me. foot and my ponytail. Yes, and my ponytail. Five foot, five foot with your ponytail. Yes. All right. Yeah. Uh, what's on the show today? I know you asked because you're already bored with this conversation. Yeah. Uh, what's on the show? Mike Cadell's joining us to talk about the uh, automotive numbers. Uh, whew, everybody's a loser this time around. Big losses from car companies. We'll find out who, what, when, where, and how. Mark Gillies is going to join us from VW. Uh, Mark's going to talk a little bit about the vehicle that still keeps on chugging, keeps on going, the VW Atlas. It's been out for a couple of years. It's still a massive winner. Uh, Cars.com named it the 2020 Family Car of the Year. It comes in either a two or a three row. We'll talk to Mark a little bit about the Atlas. I do really like the Atlas. It's straightforward. It's plain. It's got everything you need. Uh, no frills. Nicely designed, and and all the tech. And you drove it last week. I did, yeah. and I do like it. Yeah. Uh, we'll do a little off-roading talk today. Uh, the guys from Honda Power Sports are going to join us to talk about their ATV and side-by-side lineup. It's the it's the you know obviously we're right in the middle of 
yummy weather. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's time to get out and enjoy nature. And you can do that on an ATV or a side-by-side. We'll talk about what's available if you're into doing that. Uh, this lady, she makes fuel out of chocolate. She makes racing fuel out of chocolate. Uh, she's going to come on the show and talk about that. I, uh, Jen said you, she was supposed to send us chocolates to try. Her husband owns a chocolate-making company. Mm-hmm. I... I am scared of trying chocolate that's made into racing fuel. I think it'll taste weird, but we'll find out. Uh, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about F-150 from Ford. Anton Wallman's going to he- be here to talk to us about uh, the, the losers, the winners in the electric and autonomous car um, field, I guess we'd call it. And uh, also, uh, we're going to get a deep dive into the Mazda CX-30 from uh, Chris Reeves, who is our friend from University Mazda in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to call up there and have a chat with him and find out all about that because it's a, a new venture for Mazda. All right, so automotive companies, uh, looking at the numbers, if you're a numbers person this week, it's uh, it's pretty shocking. You always think that car companies make huge amounts of money. Well, uh, they they can make huge amounts of money, but that means they can also lose huge amounts of money. Ford Motor yeah. Company posted a $1.9 billion operating loss in the second quarter. The latest global automaker to report steep losses for factory because of factory closures. Uh, the pandemic's uh, really causing a major fallout for business in the automotive industry. But to talk about Ford and some of the other companies, uh, Mike Cordell, who's the other half of our auto expert, joining us on the phone. So, Mike, uh, it's sort of a a sad day, but companies kind of knew they were ready for this. They knew it could happen, right? Yeah, and and thanks for having me on, you guys. Always great to be on on a Saturday. You know, I think for the most part, when I come on, we're always talking about things that are, are, you know, unicorns and rainbows regarding the auto industry because we have so much of a passion and love for it. But, you know, with it being the first of the month, it's always that time to have that hard discussion about where the numbers are at in the auto industry. And, you know, we both you and I follow J.D. Power. They put out a, a ranking of where the automakers are at, what the numbers look like. Volkswagen posted yesterday a $940 million first half loss um, based on the coronavirus pandemic. And then General Motors, you know, roughly $800 million loss um, that, you know, crushed and devastated the factories. And they're, they're looking at an $8 billion second quarter loss. So it's it's pretty bad right now in the auto industry, but the good news is, is that all of the CFOs from the automakers were out on the talking circuit yesterday, uh, talking about how they're going to rebound, how they're going to rebuild and, and what forecast they're, they're you know, putting forward for the remainder of the year. The numbers are not as bad as they, we all initially thought they would be, but whenever you put a B next to the number, uh, $8 billion being a loss, it's, it's problematic and it forces you to, evaluate which vehicles you're going to launch, which vehicles you're going to, you know, let go of and how you navigate the the automotive future with consumers, you know, now working to get back to work uh, and hopefully buying cars. It's interesting. Uh, we'll talk about sales numbers in a second, but it's not just the U.S. that has suffered from this. I noticed that Renault, who is a partner with Nissan Mitsubishi, uh, as part of the alliance, they lost $8.6 billion. That's a huge amount for them, plus uh, Nissan a $6.4 billion loss. I mean, it gets, it's bigger and bigger and bigger. It's not just U.S. companies that are suffering. Everybody's suffering all over the world. But I noticed from the J.D. Power Associates, sales are almost back to normal. I mean, even with states who are shut down, like Florida and Texas, uh, to certain extents, uh, car sales are still happening everywhere else, and luxury cars are above the 
the pre-COVID predictions, uh, and family cars are pretty close, uh, between 6 and 8% off. So sales are still happening, but is, is that just burning up old inventory? So I talked to an insider at Audi uh, about a week and a half ago, and Audi posted its best, its best uh, month in, in the history of um, June. So we're, we're through July now and, and moving into August, but they posted their best June month. Um, luxury sales, people are still looking to spend. What's interesting about the coronavirus is that inventory needs to be eaten up at the dealership level and consumers are still willing to buy. I think what you've seen with the coronavirus pandemic are two different things. There are those that, that are literally waiting on their stimulus check, um, their paycheck protection uh, to get paid so that they can put food on the table. There are others uh, that are looking at this from the standpoint of, I, I don't know what the future holds, so I'm not going to live, uh, I'm not going to live uh, in this, in this retirement age of holding on to money. I'm going to go buy things. And so you're seeing these luxury sales go up. Uh, I was just this morning at Miracle Ford uh, here in, in Gallatin, where I live just outside of Nashville. And the service bay was full and people were on the lot. And that was at 8.45 this morning. People, and it's, it's a rainy day, so people are going to go look at cars. Um, I, I think there's some optimism in this that, that people are clamoring for. Uh, as you know, and to, to put a little shiny note on today's uh, today's uh, chat, uh, as you know, Nick, I, I bought a Ducati Multistrada. I think I fall into that other category and I'm not going to wait. I'm going to go buy some things that... They're going to make me happy, right? That's that's kind of what it's about. Right. Um, predictions for the future, looking forward, how do we think this is going to play out? Automakers are going to have to go through a readjustment phase. They're going to have to evaluate, if you call it fat, if you will, in their product lineup. Automakers need to determine what vehicles are selling and which vehicles are not. The Ford F-150 continues to be a top seller. Even though Ford Motor Company reported losses, they're still predicting uh, some strong numbers here for the very near future uh, in 2020 where they're hoping to rebound. And I think the auto industry, to, and this is going to sound very terse, but I think the auto industry is, is needing a little bit of a, a change-up, a mix-up. Um, there are a lot of cars on the market. I think we need to thin the herd a little with some cars that make, make sense to, to all walks of life. Yeah, I think um, I, I think, think you're right. Those vehicles out there are worth it. Yeah. Uh, this is gonna this is gonna shed some of the dead weight, some of the vehicles that don't actually sell, and some of the vehicles that uh, people only buy because uh, they have to. There is other options, of course, and nobody's buying rental fleets right now. So some of those cheaper rental fleet style vehicles that just churned off uh, dealer lots are probably going to not exist anymore, and we're going to see uh, real consumer uh, power. There's going to be no large corporate buying of cars for uh, business use. It's going to be much more down to the individual consumer. Um, let's hope, keep our fingers crossed, that uh, car sales get better because all of our businesses uh, rely on it. Of course, that means that uh, nobody's advertising and everybody's being, uh, I guess, hoarding their money, as it were, in the auto industry, waiting to see what happens. Uh, if you want to see some of Mike's TV pieces, you can always go to OurAutoExpert.com site. Mike has a whole bunch of really cool stuff up there. You can also see our review of the Bronco. Mike, I'm going to call you after the show. I have a great story to tell you about uh, something that happened this week. We're not going to share it until next week because I want to make sure I'm 
in safe grounds to yeah. do so. So that, that's kind of interesting. All right, coming up, we're going to get a chance to talk a little bit about the new VW Atlas. Mark Gillies is going to join us. Uh, the new Atlas, of course, is coming in two different versions, a two and a three row. It's a mid-size SUV, goes up against things like the Palisade and the Telluride and a bunch of other really cool cars. But that's coming up. Stand by. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show, our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see automotive videos, and read inside the car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. To find all yours, go to ourautoexpert.com. I've driven several different variations of this vehicle over a number of times, and I have to say it is one of the best in the class. The 2020 Atlas from VW comes in either a five-seater or a seven eight one two three four five six seven seater had to count uh uh vehicle it's uh it's one of the best in its class starting at just around thirty thousand dollars or slightly above once you take in delivery charges and this vehicle now is winning prizes uh it has won a prize recently and this is not the only one it has multiple prizes on the shelf uh, awards we should say that the Whole brand is championing. Uh, joining us on the phone is Mark Gillies from VW. So, Mark, uh, I think it was probably about two and a half, three years ago when we went to Santa Monica Pier to see the vehicle unveiled, and it's been kind of a perfect hit, hit, hit story since then. Yeah, it's been doing well. I think it must have been 2016. It was that long ago because we then did the drive in Texas in uh, 2017. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know, last year, last year we sold over 81,000 uh, atlases. Um, this year, you know, obviously the pandemic has caused some uh, disruption in sales, but we're actually seeing good numbers still for Atlas and, and good numbers as well for the Atlas Crossport, which is the five-seater version that went on sale literally the moment the pandemic hit, I think. so. Oh, that was uh, unfortunate for, for you on the sales of that, but uh, also a lot of people really enjoying the option of having either the third row or the or the uh, the two-row version, and the Crossport sort of came with the up updated exterior and some updated interiors including things like a new steering wheel as well yeah we got wireless charging we've got some new driver assist features and actually all of that has been carried over to the 2021 atlas which is now on sale so the atlas itself received a fresh and front and rear um, and it also received some of the interior improvements including the steering wheel um and I say wireless charging, uh, Wi-Fi capability uh, that the Crossport came with. I think the the one of the biggest stories about this is the fact that it you know Chattanooga is the home of this and VW really putting a peg in the ground for U.S. manufacturing and making vehicles, designing vehicles and building vehicles for the U.S. market uh, and giving jobs to Americans and that's been a success story for you from top to bottom. Yeah, it's been very good for us. I mean, we've you know we we've been very happy with you know the the way we've been received in in Tennessee. Chattanooga is a, a really nice town. It's one of those places that not everybody knows about, but it's been massively revitalised by um, a lot of economic activity in the past ten years, particularly from from us and obviously from Amazon, who have a big hub there. Um, and yeah, I mean we've we've been building cars there um, since the Passat launched in 2011. We're still making the Passat. We've announced that from 2022, we're going to localize production of our first uh, U.S. market long-range um, 
electric vehicle, the ID4, um, and uh, you know we're actually uh, starting work on on extending the factory for that. And there's also a battery factory just being built slightly south of Chattanooga in, in, in Georgia as well. So employing more people in the future with both suppliers and in the factory. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. It's been a very, very good success story. And I think, you know, I was compare and contrast with, you know, what happened in Westmoreland many, many years ago, which which was not a success. And, and this has been a complete turnaround by, by contrast. Yeah, of course, everybody learns from mistakes. As soon as one person or you make a mistake, then you learn not to do it again and you learn what worked and didn't work. Uh, and talking about that, uh, it, it seems strange to me in my head. Now, I, I lived through the uh, the recession in the 80s in the UK, and uh, obviously in my head everybody went, you know, smaller, cheaper, this thing. But Americans still have this thirst for these midsize SUVs. And it seems to be the sedan that's suffering in sales. And even though sales are down across the board, the midsize SUVs and SUVs in general just seem to be the flavor. Nobody's willing to go for, uh, you know, small little cars. They still, Americans still want their SUVs. And, and that's probably been one of the pieces of formula for the success of the Atlas, right? It is, and actually, it's funny. I was looking at the numbers the other day, and it, it's um, in the first half of the year. I think the, the, the smallest decline in sales in the big, you know, segments was in mid-size SUVs. And, and I guess maybe what's happening is, you know, people, if they're leasing cars or their cars are getting old, have to replace them. And you know, there's this weird thing in the economy where, you know, if you're um, in, in government work or you know you're working for reasonably big big companies um, they still seem to be employing people and paying them so um, that part of the market hasn't been as affected and, and yes we're seeing sedans decline I mean I think the Jetta, the Jetta does very well still um, for that we've seen a decline and, and the mid-size uh, car market has, has really I'm not going to say tanked but it's definitely taken a big hit currently and it's been on the decline for probably the past five or six years that, that we've been looking at the numbers you know um the market nowadays is like i said i think something like 72 percent trucks and yeah. suvs and minivans yeah. um you know, which is astonishing when you think about it yeah um, no, I, and again yeah gas is cheap as well so. yeah, it's completely different from europe all right the last question for you mark i know you're not going to answer this but when we get in the truck version of the atlas um, I mean, we're looking at all, we're looking at all possibilities to get into the truck market. Um, at the moment, I mean, we've done some feasibility studies on both a, a smaller um, truck, uh, like based off um, the upcoming Tarek, I think it is, and we've looked also at some some pickup versions of, of the Atlas. But at the moment, there's there's nothing set in stone. The market to be honest, is, is body on frame, uh, full-size trucks. And, you know, if you're going to play in that market, it's a massive investment and it's new factories and all that kind of stuff. So we're, we're looking, I think there's, you know, potentially long-term, there's some possibilities in the electric space with pickups, um, which would be, you know, really cool. But, I mean, it would be a ways away, that's for sure. All right, Mark Gillies, thank you so much. Uh, the only way you're going to get your Atlas pickup truck is with a chainsaw and do it yourself and uh, maybe show it at SEMA, which I think would be a big seller, at least for auto journalists who like that kind of thing. Uh, you can also go test your Atlas in either different formation, the uh, five-seater or the three-row version. They're available at all VW dealerships, and I do like the concrete-style gray color. I think that's really awesome. 
All right, more to come. Our auto experts stand by. The show only gets better. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Well, your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, uh, play Our Auto Expert Radio Show. And all the previous episodes of the podcast are available. It's hours of endless fun and for you and your family. I'm Nick Miles. This is Our Auto Expert Radio, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily, along with truck girl Jen. Uh, Honda have confirmed the return of an array of four-wheel power sport vehicles for 2021 uh, model year, including two Pioneer multi-purpose side-by-sides and four Trex multi-purpose ATVs, as well as uh, Honda's, or they're all built in Honda's South Carolina in Timmersville, uh, Timonsville, South Carolina plant. Uh, these models continue to set standards with their respective categories. The Pioneer 1000 and 700 multi-purpose side-by-side models offer unmatched versatility. Uh, also, they have done many, pro- unpro- you know, many proven things, uh, getting people off-road, uh, showing people how to have a great summer and a lot of fun. Honda's four-wheel lineup has always been about meeting customers' needs and having great fun uh, for their 20. 21 lineup we can expect a lot of fun and uh, who else to tell us about all of these vehicles to get outside in the summer and enjoy them is ben hong from uh, honda power sports uh ben let first of all start this how do you keep all these models straight in your head because i'm just reading press releases about them and it's uh, it's like a, a bedtime novel there's a lot of information <laughs> It, it, hey, Nick and Jen. Hey, um, yes, it is a lot of information, and it takes, um, you know, it's, it's actually taken me years and years of practice, but, um, you know, with code names and, and acronyms and everything else. But essentially, our, our pioneer lineups have always been our uh, multi-purpose, uh, what we call side-by-side units, and the four-tracks lineup um, has kind of been the um, <clears throat> code for our ATVs, and then we have names after that, like our rancher is kind of our um, mid-sized displacement ATV. And then we have what is uh, the foreman, which is a larger uh, displacement unit. And we just actually updated that in um, 2019 with an even larger engine. We increased the, the displacement on that motor by 43 uh, cubic centimeters up to 518 TCs. And then four tracks form in Rubicon. The Rubicon, kind of more of a, a very famous trail, is a little bit more of a trail-oriented ATV. So we added rear um, independent suspension on that unit. So um, we have some, you know, keywords that kind of identify what each model features and things like that. But um, it, it, it took us some time. But we, yes, we, we have a, a lot of units, and they're all designed to satisfy many customers needs i look at these and i think well i would love to go and spend maybe you know a weekend or a few days out in the country and learn all about the different uh, different vehicles and what they do and their capabilities and what they're really good at and uh, what they excel in each department they excel in and of course there's so many models and then i'm thinking oh it would just be really rough you know like uh, out in the wilderness uh, sleeping rough and and sort of riding over these big bumps it's- and then i start to read things like oh they're really you know you've improved the comfort and it's a, a marriage between comfort and uh, it's not all about getting wind and mud in your face it's fun. and stuff. I it's used to have lots. I've had a couple ATVs, and my friends have had side by sides, and we used to go for weekends. It's a blast. 
Uh, it sounds like a blast as long as I, you know, I wouldn't eat dirt for the whole weekend. <laughs> you can go play in the yeah. sand, too. <laughs> so let's start with the Pioneer 1000. Uh, Pioneer, you know, so yeah, the Pioneer 1000, that's sort of the, 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 big, the big boy in the Pioneer lineup. Yes, absolutely. And it features a, a parallel twin 999cc engine. And, you know, kind of what you talked about there was, hey, I want to go out and have fun um, in the dirt, and but not be miserable. And a lot of that speaks to the popularity of the, the Pioneer lineup um, and our new Honda Talon side-by-side lineup, which is a purely sport-oriented machine. Um, but the side-by-sides have really... Um, grown in popularity because of that attitude where it's like, yeah, I want to be comfortable while I'm out having fun. So having seating like a car, uh, a steering wheel, you know, a go and a stop pedal versus uh, throttle and clutch and all this other stuff, um, it's it certainly increased in popularity. In, in our Pioneer lineup, as you talk about that Pioneer 1000, um, you know, when we launched that 700 model in 2013, um, it was really more of a a utility-focused type of vehicle. But now, with the entire lineup with Pioneer 1000 um, kind of rounding out the group, it features Fox shocks with um, a quick-switch um, adjustable shock that has three settings, soft, medium, and stiff. Um, so you can really go out, have work being done on the ranch or on the farm during the weekdays, and on the weekends you could take these out to the woods and have a blast on them, and you'll have a windshield. We have full doors available. You have a whole cab system with heaters and everything else, so you don't have to be roughing it as bad as you think. Do you eat, Is there somewhere I can put my dogs? Can they come with me? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so the, the Pioneer 1000, actually, we have a three-seater model, and then we have what we call the Pioneer 1005, and um, the chassis and everything is almost exactly the same. And it, within the rear dump bed of the Pioneer, the rear seats actually fold up. Um, so you can convert your three-seater Pioneer to a five-seater. And it's great for dogs. Um, I have two dogs as well. And, you know, tons of people do all kinds of conversion platforms, putting in pads and things like that for their dogs to sit in. They love it. It's a hoot. And they can stick their heads, you know. Uh, up against the the door nets and, and breathe the fresh air. It's great. I think my dogs would be pretty upset if I didn't get the opportunity to take them out with me as well, uh, because they love the outdoors and they love to come out and uh, and and play with nature as well. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what are the biggest hits for you guys. Um, which are the vehicles that sell the most on the on the four by fours or side by sides? We've, you know, we've always traditionally had the best success in the ATV lineup. It's just so popular. Um, ATVs you get used all over the country for um, ranching, farming, um, you know, so it's been really popular. But if you were to look at growth, it's definitely the side-by-side space, the sport side-by-sides particularly. Um, and I mentioned it earlier, but our talents, which were um, announced a little bit earlier this year um, in March, that popularity has, you know, grown exponentially. Um, the sport market is huge, and it's um, it, people are going out and you know buying and building these recreation-specific sport machines uh, capable of 60 plus miles per hour, rock crawling. You know, they've all got four-wheel drive of some sort or another. We use what we call our intelligent four-wheel drive system, and that 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 category has been growing um, extremely extremely fast, and we've. We've introduced multiple models into that space now, so it's 
that's going really well for us. Honda, uh, you know, obviously most people in the United States know Honda as a boat company or even a motor company or a car company. You make, obviously, uh, some of the best-selling vehicles in the United States, and you sell some of the best boat motors. But you've also always dominated in the uh, in the small anything with a small motor, motorcycles, uh, ATVs, and those sort of things. And it's not just something new. I mean, Honda's been doing this for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. We're actually the number one engine manufacturer in the entire world. Uh, we manufactured more engines last year than anybody. And since our beginnings, uh, nobody's manufactured more uh, internal combustion engines than we have. So it's it's uh, anything that, that wants to go um, or make power, whether it's a motorcycle or a generator or a boat or a car, um, yeah, we've, we've made a lot of them. So we we call we have this thing called dqr what we call durability quality and reliability and that's really what our customers look to us for is when they buy a honda product they expect it to last and um, that's important if you're um, a boater um, someone looking for a generator to, to back up power in a house during an emergency or power lights you know during an event um, and it's especially important when you're on a motorcycle or an ATV or a side-by-side in the backcountry. You want something that just works. So, yeah, that Honda brand and our, our reliability um, is really important to us. I have a question for you. Are, on your yeah. sport ATVs, are you going to uh-huh. create a 450? <laughs> we get asked that all the time. Well, I'm surprised uh, you don't much, yeah. offer it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. It's just... You know, as I mentioned, that that category um, just has been dominated by the sport side by side category. It's just grown so quickly, and um, as far as you know, we we try to satisfy as many customers as possible. But we also have limited resources from facilities and factories and people to build them. Right, so we focus on the the largest um, sort of group of customers, and you know, hmm. that leaves some sport customers, um, you know, we, we just can't build everything. So TRX uh, 90 and 250X we still build, but yeah, the 450, uh, we don't have a platform for that now. The last time we built it was many years ago, and, okay. and I don't see it coming back, unfortunately. I, I know there's a desire. It's a great machine. It's still being used. Mm-hmm. Um, even it's, you know, 2014, 2013 model variations and winning races out there. So um, yeah, I, I know a lot of customers are clamoring for it, and, and I don't know where we are with a, a development process on that, but I don't see it. Um, I don't have any ideas on it currently for a 21 model. Okay. All right, so let's talk about pricing the last thing. Uh, where do they start, and, and how much can you spend? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Pioneer 700 um, is around 11000 The Pioneer 1000 starts at 16000 or 158. Um, once you get into a, a Talon four-seater with Fox live valve, you think you're up in the $24,000 range. So, um, you know, and then you're talking about an ATV, um, you know, we have them as low as uh, $4,000, starting at $4,000. So right. it's a really wide range. If you're looking for just something to do work on the farm, four grand. You're looking right. for fun for the whole family, um, including dogs, you can look at $24,000. So. Perfect. Ben Hong, thank you so much for telling us all about Honda's Cyberside and ATVs. More Our Auto Expert on the way. You're listening to Our Auto Expert.
your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, play Our Auto Expert. Here you go. Turn it off. Turn you on. Uh, play Our Auto Expert radio show and all previous episodes of the podcast and show are available for hours of endless fun for your family. I'm Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen. Uh, I read this interesting story that you sent me, Jen, <laughs> and uh, I, will, I will tell you this story, and I'm, uh, it's a double-edged sword. So the story is Honda, Honda has said that because uh, many of their workers have COVID and are not returning to work, uh, the shortage of workers has been dire enough to force frontline office and administration workers to temporarily handle assembly line and production work at automakers Maryville plant at the automakers Maryville plant. Uh, they are forced because of COVID-19 challenges to use some of their associates and family members uh, to. Oh, so the associates and family members have have the virus, and they've been coming in to the factory to work. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I want my car put together by an accountant. I'm just saying. Okay, well, there is a thing called, you know, cross-training. Yeah. So I'm sure they had to go through some kind of training Uh, before they put them on the line. I don't know where this nut goes, or I'll just screw it on here. I don't know. But it's continuing to keep the plant going versus other manufacturers are having issues keeping their trucks Oh, sorry, trucks. (laughs) You know who I'm talking about. Trucks in assembly, you know, going. So, Marysville uh, is in central Ohio, by the way. Mm -hmm. It's the Honda plant. And uh, I'm just trying to work out what they make. But yeah, (laughs) Jordan's flashing up a sign that says safety from the control room. Yeah, I know. Like, uh, okay. Civics, Honda CRVs, Uh and the pilots. All right. If something falls off of any one of those cars when you drive, I don't know. It's it's an interesting idea having somebody who normally you know does accounts bolt wheels on a car. Just saying. You know, (laughs) being an administrator and things like that, I've done plenty of things like that. Yeah, but Jen, you're an odd duck. You're different from everyone else. (laughs) You you pretty you you know you're the only person I know that changes your own oil. Well, you don't. I mean, your dad helps you, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I have a big truck. Right. Yeah. So. I'm not sure that somebody who normally works in the office putting vehicles together is. But then it also paints another picture of, well, that means anyone can do it. Well, no. I'm sure they have quality control, you know, to review everything that they've done. I didn't realize you're working for Honda these days. No, I'm just, (laughs) I just know what industry standard is and you have to have quality checks. All right. I'm raising the question, is this a good idea? I think it is. I think it's good to keep the facilities going. Next week's ladies who make school lunches will be building Ferraris. Hey, (laughs) I'd rather build a Ferrari than a school lunch any day. (laughs) I get that. I'm sure they might prefer to do that as a job, but ultimately, what's the quality? I know. Uh, I have an interesting story that I'm working on, but I, I'm not ready to talk about it just yet. Uh, if anybody has ordered a marquee, a Ford marquee, yes, uh, I want you to get in touch with me because I I ordered one and something really really interesting's happened. So if you've ordered a Ford product, um, just just let me know. Uh, get Please in touch with us via Nick. Get in touch with us via social media. Uh, Our auto expert on Twitter, Facebook. You know we have about a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand followers. 
Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I cannot quite believe this is happening, but uh, when I tell you guys about it, I think your jaws will drop. So if you've ordered a a Ford recently, just let me know, and we'll have a discussion. We're doing some research right now, so I want to see if people have the same similar issues we're having. It's interesting. It's super interesting. Uh, It's not as interesting as the the lady that normally signs the paychecks uh, bolting the wheels onto new Hondas, but that's that's a whole different story. You're not gonna let this down, are you? What? I think it's great. You do? Yes. Well, it's me and you, me and Jordan against you, so I'm sorry. <laughs> you lose. Really? Yeah. It was reported by WOSU <laughs> TV that, that they were doing this. Uh, that the frontline office workers. I mean, I understand you have to do what you have to do during COVID. I'm just not sure that you know. People are cross trainable. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, but these are skilled jobs. Okay, so, yeah. So right. you're saying just because you have one odd duck on your show doesn't mean there's more odd ducks like me that can do administration. No, there's and- no one like you, Jen. I'm just saying. <laughs> you're a one of a kind. I'm unique. Yes, you're uniquely Jen. Uh, you, what can you do at your? What can't you do at your job? So you make tubing for brake lines and uh, those mm-hmm. type of things. I, I, I do not know how to do cylinder work right now. All right. So I can't do so, that. But I'm sure I could figure it out or learn, you know. <laughs> it's not I can do pretty much anything I put my mind to. How about that? All right. Uh-huh. I love the positive attitude. I mean, Just a bit of a fr- I'm a little afraid of having a cylinder that you made. Just saying. Well, when you, no, it when may you take admit time. you don't know what you're doing. No, I'd have to research it. All right. So anyways, what did we drive in today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that How about I'm not you? sure. How about you? What? Can you, I, can I, you change your oil? Uh, no. Can you change you a tire? Kidding? No. Yeah, I can change a tire. Can you? Good. Um, I, but there's a lot of expletives that happen when I change a tire. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It just takes time. Uh, I'm much, I would rather do what I'm good at which is make TV and radio yeah, and have somebody that's good at doing what they do do those jobs. But you don't know. I would rather pay somebody to do the job that they're good at I am no good at producing shows, although that's where I came from. That's why <laughs> you and Jordan take care of me. I do the talky-talky bits. You do yeah. the planny-planny bits. Yeah. Jordan does the execute-execute bits. So I'm I'm no good at that. I don't like pushing buttons and sliders and getting, you know, all those things. I'm not good <laughs> at it. I'm not good at it. I'm just saying that's don't why. Don't limit yourself. No, no. No, that's like saying anybody could be president. Clearly they can't. Yeah, I noticed that. Clearly everybody can't be president. Yeah. I'm just saying it's a hard job. Right. So you just have to say you can do what you do. Mm-hmm. You're skilled at what you do. Let the people who write checks, balance books, and uh, you know do administrative work, do administrative work, and let the people that put engines and wheels and hoods and doors and mirrors and stuff on cars and put them together, let, let them do it. I'm just saying, Gladys is really good at making chili. Not so good at bolting on wing mirrors. <laughs> just saying. That's an analogy, oh, not, not necessarily great. a real-life situation. Yeah. Love um, you. I, I'd like to talk to Quality Control and see how some of the problems that they've had. Well, you never know. But the best, the really, coming from an office and administrative background, yeah. it's actually kind of good because administration can see how hard the people in the facilities work, you know, and sometimes they don't get appreciated. Would you put somebody who normally, uh, let's say, puts engines in cars, would you put them on payroll? 
can ah, ah I see the floor in your plan. This is a one-way street, isn't it? No. Yes. What if <laughs> no? Because they paused. may be brilliant with numbers. You don't know until you actually see the person. So we should find and assess that. If, oh, I'm sorry, you messed up payroll. We won't ask you to do it again. Oh, <laughs> so Nick, what did you drive today? Uh, we're we're out of time. Yeah. Uh, in the next part of the show, <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about uh, biofuels and chocolate. What do they mm. have in common? Uh, we're going to find out about that. The Ford F-150, still the best-selling vehicle in the United States. Anton Warman going to join us. And we're going to talk to uh, University Mazda. Uh, Chris from University Mazda is going to talk to us about the new CX-30. This is a different direction for Mazda to take. It's all coming up on our Auto Expert. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated for the Northwest and the Southeast, this is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, and on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl, Jen. Uh, Jen, are you a chocolate fan? I am. Uh, me too, although a lot of times it has too much sugar in it. Well, there's sugar-free chocolate. Oh. Yes, there is. For somebody who doesn't eat any carbs... Well, you know, complex carbs, that's me. Uh, I enjoy myself some sugar-free chocolate. Uh, but when Jen brought this story to me, I was uh, a little bit, it's a bit of a head-scratcher. I'm, I'm in love with this there's story. A, there's a million and one uh, ideas behind it. So what do uh, chocolate and uh, fuel have in common, apart from fuel from the body? Uh, it has Kristen in common. Yes. Kristen <laughs> has been told that she couldn't make a biofuel out of chocolate, but she went ahead and did it anyway. She's joining us on the phone. So let's ask you, uh, first of all, Kristen, what inspired you to come up with this idea? <laughs> um, thanks. Uh, gosh, I manage social media for um, a chocolate company here in Boulder. Um, it's actually my husband's chocolate company. Um, and... We're, we pride ourselves on being zero waste, um, which I know is a fun buzzword for a lot of people, um, but really we thrive on being efficient. And um, like we have a, a team of mechanics, most of whom have uh, automotive backgrounds working on chocolate equipment, um, and we end up with a lot of scrap every year. Um, for instance, we clean all of our equipment with, um, with cocoa butter. And you're obviously not going to repurpose that uh, into food. Right. And we were wondering, what the heck can we do with literally 40,000 kilos of chocolate scrap? Right. Um, Eat it. And so my husband said, should we try it? Should we try to make biofuel? And uh, we sort of left it on the table um, and until I said, oh, by the way, I'm competing this year uh, in a 2,000-kilometer off-road um, rally. And I just bought a truck uh, that we're going to outfit to run on this biodiesel that you haven't made yet. So um, <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, we right. <laughs> um, so we uh, had a couple of dates in our kitchen, and we started making biofuel, um, tr the traditional biofuel with with soy, um, and eventually we went to cocoa. Um, and so last year I, I did actually run a two thousand kilometer rally on a. B20 to B40 um, that we had not made in the kitchen, but made in the boneyard of the factory. Um, but part of the rally is 
pretty freaking cold. Um, it's cold as like 15 degrees, and if you look at a chocolate bar, it's solid most of the time. Right. Your oh, right. Wow. Uh, that's that's actually right? very interesting. So, so let me ask you this: from from the idea of talking about this for the first time to actually having a usable product, how long did that take you? What was the timeline? Um, to have a usable product, literally a month. Wow. wow. That's it, impressive. Making it stable to running cold um, has taken us a bit longer. All right. So do you, have you become an expert in fuel now, not just chocolate? I don't know if I could ever be an expert, um, but I've learned a heck of a lot, um, and I certainly want to keep learning. I mean, I presume that your husband's factory where they make the chocolate has, you know, labs and all that sort of thing. So you, you had some sort of facilities. I mean, if someone, if my other half came to me and said, I want to make, you know, fuel, fuel out of dog hair or something, I would like, I wouldn't even know where to start. Like, I mean, it's the, <laughs> I wouldn't either. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, where do you, I don't know, is, do you, do you go to the library? Do you just get online? I mean, what do you do? It's like, it sounds like uh, unbelievable. I mean, you must have had some idea that this could be done. Um, well, I live in Boulder and we're pretty environmentally aware. Um, so biofuel is not uncommon for us. You can go to the, uh, you can go to the, the gas station, um, and they have a B20, uh, which means 20% yeah. bio to 80%, um, petrol diesel. Um, and it's soy-based. Right. And one of the complaints about soy-based fuel is shouldn't you be using those soybeans to feed the world instead of making oh. some gimmicky fuel? Right. Um, and you also lose a lot of power with, with soy. Um, calorically, it's not the same as uh, feeding your machine petrol diesel. Right. Um, so it, it's something that's sort of built into the culture of, of where I am and where I've grown up. Um, a lot of farmers will, you know, take uh, waste uh, cooking oil from restaurants and, and build, make fuel in their barns <laughs> right. um so it's it's you're looking for basically a, a fat that you're going to convert into power i mean right it's the same thing as if you're eating you're looking for something metabolically dense that um you're going to use to make fuel, fuel a machine yeah. in this case it's the car so I know that uh, in the Northwest where uh, we are based there are a lot of people that use you know chip oil from restaurants to, to make into fuel in their vehicles and the most enjoyable thing is to drive behind one of these things because it smells like a fryer does now when French we fo- fries when we follow yeah you can smell it coming it out of the car crazy when you follow your uh, biofuel vehicle does it smell of chocolate it smells like chocolate going in and then coming out um, yeah being on rally last year I kept having these you know heart palpitations because I thought I dropped my coolant and <laughs> I get out of the car, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't have time for this. Like, what are we going to do? And I realize it's not coolant, it's the exhaust, and it smells a lot like a sugar cookie. Oh, oh. my gosh, yummy. <laughs> oh, I'd follow you everywhere. No, if- no, the vehicle, <laughs> no, the vehicle you used is also unique because it was imported. Is that correct? So, yep, we've been building out um, a diesel G-Wagon. She's almost 30 years old. Um, and yeah, she was brought in from, uh, somewhere around Russia. Um, she was brought in by a, a Russian dealer here in the U S 
Um, so I assume they have ties to the car originally. Right. Um, and uh, had a very <laughs> wimpy uh, engine in it, which obviously had to be switched out. But uh, Mercedes made um, a 606 that has a pre-combustion chamber uh, in it. So it, we switched it out for this 606, um, knowing that we'd have a some particulate issues with the uh, denser fuel um, and really wanted to get as much combustion as absolutely possible out of this, this fuel and really maximize um, its, its power capacity. So now with so, this, with this chocolate based fuel uh, that goes mm-hmm. into the vehicle, how does the environmental impact change? It's been awesome. We actually, um, ran our first batch of B100 um, yesterday uh, that's been stabilized. Um, and uh, we ran it through a, uh, a Dodge Cummins um, that has an onboard dyno. Um, and statistically, just going switching to biofuel, there's a 75% reduction in emissions compared to petrol diesel. Um, so yesterday we saw that... Um, having not cleaned the fuel system at all, having had the truck normally runs on petrol diesel, um, we saw a 50% reduction in emissions, but we saw about a 20% increase in power compared to petrol diesel. And, you know, when you step on throttle, um, most of those big trucks, there's this puff of black that comes out the back end. Right. Um, None at all. Really? That's kind of, that's, that's very uh, heartwarming. Uh, in this manufacturing process, or in the process of doing this, who helped you? Is it just you? Or is it did your husband help you, or do you have a team? We definitely have a team. Um, originally, it was my husband Tim. Um, he's always wanted to have manufacture biodiesel. Um, again, we're an automotive. <laughs> we have a lot of history in auto- automotive um, as a as a company, and he and I as a couple. Um, so he had all the supplies to do this. We go into what we call the boneyard where we keep, you know, extra parts and, and equipment and he's got everything to make biofuel. So, um, yeah, the first batch, um, happened last year. And then, uh, I met this amazing young woman, uh, Rhiannon O'Donnell, who, um, is a student at the university of Colorado and she's a biochemist. Um, and we got to work researching how to stabilize, um, how to really make this something that we're not freaking out about uh, the car not starting because your your fuel is solid. Um, reliability means a lot if you want to go somewhere. Um, and so she's been diligently working um, for the past probably six months, um, which is tough given COVID, um, all the labs closed down. Right. Um, so yeah, it's really been a garage kitchen, uh, experiment. I love um, it. And yeah, yesterday we, uh, we ran the first batch and it was so rewarding. <laughs> it sounds fun too. Plus, um, I'm sure that you have an amazing job where you can eat all of the, uh, the, the chocolate that you want as well. That's probably my thing. I drive a vehicle that's environmentally sound and also eat, well, you probably don't want to eat as much chocolate when you have it readily available. If people want to learn more about this, where can they find out more? You can find us online at um, Bertha, the G-Wagon, um, B-E-R-T-H-A. She's named for Bertha Benz. Um, so Bertha the, uh, Bertha the G-Wagon.com. 
Um, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, the sort of umbrella group that uh, we call ourselves is Wonder, after the German word for miracle. Yeah. Um, so Wonder Collective on Instagram and Wonder Collective on Facebook. All right. I'm going to uh, do many more research hours of this because it sounds fun. Plus, I'm sure the guys at Mercedes, my friends, would love to hear about that. Uh, check it out. You can do that. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about the F-150. That's still to come on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show. Our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. Uh, It's one of the most... Uh, I would say, anticipated new vehicles next to the Bronco and a couple of others for 2020. Uh, It'll be arriving uh, in the near future, uh, but there is a new Ford F-150 that is about to hit the market. This, of course, is America's best-selling vehicle, the best-selling truck in America, uh, and Ford obviously uh, don't want to make any missteps, and they want to make it absolutely perfect and keep it on the top of the heap, and let's find out if they've done that. Uh, Travis Calhoun joined us on the phone from the Ford F-150 marketing team. Uh, he is the marketing manager. So let's ask you a couple questions about this. Uh, Travis, how is the new F-150 different from the previous version of the vehicle? Well, that's a great question, Nick. Uh, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to talk about the all-new 2021 F-150. Uh, the all-new 2021 F-150 is completely redesigned. Uh, it is completely new sheet metal all the way around. Uh, and that is complemented with an all-new interior uh, that's a really a harmonious design and taking some key designs from the exterior of the vehicle into the interior of the vehicle as well. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we've brought an all-new powertrain uh, to the lineup with our all-new class-exclusive full hybrid engine that we're calling Power Boost. Uh, and that Power Boost engine, by the way, uh, is not only targeted to have greater than 12,000 pounds of, greatest, or of max available towing, uh, but it's also targeted to have an EPA-estimated range of about 700 miles on a single tank of gas. Oh, nice. Uh, in, addition, in addition to that, there's a ton of other productivity features that we've added as well. Uh, it's really, uh, it's really we, we engineered it and purpose-built it to be the toughest, most productive F-150 ever. Now, I did notice a fact that uh, caught my eye. I mean, there's many different facts about this vehicle that catch my eye, but one is it has an inboard generator now or an onboard generator so people can actually power their power tools. But Ford is saying this could power 28 full-size or 28 refrigerators. doesn't say full-size, 28 refrigerators. Did you actually test this? We have, yeah, no, it's uh, we have up to three different levels of our Pro Power onboard feature, uh, which provides that exportable power uh, available on the Power Boost hybrid engine. You can have up to seven point two kilowatts of exportable power, which is how we're able to deliver that twenty eight refrigerators. Uh, uh, it can also do things. It can also do all sorts of things. I mean, whether you're using it for uh, for a stunt such as that, uh, or you could do it uh, to power your campsite or one heck of a tailgate too. Yeah, and I just to me it just. I, I just imagine this vehicle with 28 refrigerators in the back. <laughs> it just it, it makes me smile just thinking quite about the, quite the trailer, most definitely. Right, just thinking thinking about how Ford would do that. Well, and what he would do. 28 of them. What, where do you think? I mean, like, where did you come up with that? Yeah, <laughs> I presume you did it through the kilowatts, right? You just worked out how many kilowatts it takes to power a refrigerator, and then you see saw what you could do with the kilowatt power that you have. 
Precisely. Okay. Yeah. So that that's kind of cool. Uh, so one of the things that Ford pioneered early on was usability of their trucks. And and when I say early on, I mean the last few generations of Fords have all had step ups in usability and adaptability for the trucks to make sure that they're workable for the whole family and for anybody on the workforce. One of the things that you pioneered early on was this uh, rear tailgate step where you could pull a step out and have a handle and get into the back but this time around you sort of stepped it up even more you've made it more usable on the inside and the outside so let's start with the inside first of all the seats recline 180 degrees which means they almost come into a flat bed is this just encouraging people to sleep on the job <laughs> uh, you know, that's not really the aim of it. Uh, after a long day's work, we feel that our drivers will, uh, certainly warrant some time off. Uh, and customers actually told us throughout our research that they're using the bed uh, as a, or using the cabin, rather, uh, as, uh, as a place to, re- to relax and to rest. And so this is one of those key insights that we had from our customer feedback that told us that they would see value in something like this. So we do have an optional max recline seat. Uh, that will recline up to that level. But it's more than just the recline, actually. Uh, the, even as you recline, the bottom of the seat, uh, the seat bottom, will actually lift to remove the divot uh, that would exist in a traditional seat. Uh, so you have a completely flat works, or a completely flat se- uh, seating sur- or sleeping surface, rather. And then in addition to that, there's an adjustable support uh, for your upper back as well to make sure you're at the exact comfort uh, level that's uh, custom for each driver. I might never get out of this truck. That's just a warning. You know, I could, I might it's, never uh, get- it's a pretty impressive package, that's for sure. Uh, let's talk a little bit. And we, obviously, we're going to get short of time because we, uh, we have a million and one things we want to talk about. But uh, the also, the armrest folds flat to make a work surface. So now you can use a laptop in side. Absolutely, yes. So we have two executions of the interior work surface. One is available on our bench seats, which frankly I think is a really slick execution. Uh, so the center, uh, the center seat of the bench would actually flip down and then it slides out and then actually tilts additionally towards the driver to create a nice work surface or a, or a main desk, if you will. And this is not your uh, budget airline uh, table. Uh, this is absolutely a built-forward tough table that is very sturdy, uh, sturdy and durable. Uh, in addition to that, on the bucket seats, there's one where our, now, uh, our center console or floor shift will actually retract into the console, uh, and then you can uh, flip the, uh, the top of the console over in the opposite direction to create a flat surface there as well. And you have uh, the tailgate now becomes a work surface as well. Absolutely. The job doesn't stop on the inside of the truck. So on the outside of the truck as well, we have added a tailgate work surface that's bundled with the tailgate step. So anytime you get the tailgate step, you get the additional workbench on the back of your truck that includes rulers, uh, cup holders, additional uh, storage for pens and pencils and mobile phones uh, or tablets. It's, uh, it's really a great surface uh, to get things done, and it's also made out of glass and nylon, so it's, uh, it's a really durable surface as well. All right, let's ask the question that everybody wants to know, uh, pricing and availability. Absolutely. So we've announced the uh, only F-150 was just an increase of about $195 a year over year, uh, and the, uh, it will be available before the end of the year. All right, so if, the, if, if everybody wants it, and is the hybrid on the same schedule? Uh, so the hybrid will start will start production about three weeks later. Uh, so it should be available for sale just within the first uh, within the same month as the uh, as the first ones rolling off the line. Mm-hmm. So it'll be uh, available very soon, and we're excited to get them on the road. Uh, starting price under thirty thousand. Uh, I believe it's just at thirty thousand. Yeah, I don't have the exact figure in front of me. I'm sorry. 
And then you can... That's fine. And then you can probably stack it up all the way to the top and make it, uh, you know, as much as you want to add into the vehicle, you can do that. The new Ford F-150 is uh, coming to a marketplace very soon, and it has all those really cool features. Of course, you can adapt it to whatever you want it to be. Uh, Travis from Ford, thank you for joining us. Uh, I haven't got a chance to actually see your ride in it soon, but I'm sure that's coming uh, very soon on the back of the Bronco uh, and the Marquee. This is one of the most anticipated vehicles of the last last couple of years from Ford. Stand by. More on the show to come. We're going to talk to Anton Warman and Talk Mazda coming up. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Our Auto Expert uh, Radio Show is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can start a conversation with us. Ask us a question. Just direct messages at ourautoexpert.com. Uh, our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Our expert on all things autonomous, electric, and company financials is Anton Warman. You can read a majority of his stuff at Seeking Alpha or The Street. Uh, Anton Obviously, some harsh news for car companies uh, with the pandemic in full swing. Uh, lots of losses. I noticed also that Mitsubishi sent EM letters to all of their dealers in the UK saying they were withdrawing from the European market uh, because of the lack of sales. Uh, Nissan posting a $6.4 billion loss. Are we going to see some people disappear because of this? Oh, absolutely. The mix shift, though, was very prominent in terms of looking at how some of the automakers didn't fare quite as poorly as the others in terms of the bottom line, namely the profit and loss statement. Even though Ford FCA, which would be Fiat Chrysler, the company that owns Jeep and Ram and so forth, and uh, General Motors, Ford and FCA had uh, very weak revenue, they actually posted bottom line earnings or at least small losses that were a lot better than many of the analysts had forecast and forecasted. And you may ask yourself why. And that is a couple of reasons. First of all, the mix shift in those companies that are very, very truck heavy uh, was very, very favorable. So they certainly sold out of all of their truck inventories where their profit margins are high. And uh, they were able to cut their costs in the meantime, whereas some of these other companies like Nissan and Mitsubishi have very poor truck mixes, and of course, they were also unable to cut their cost a lot. So it was a bit of a mixed bag in the middle, basically in the midst of all the the disasters. Uh, The disasters weren't quite as terrible for just some of these automakers, most notably the big three uh, in uh, Detroit. Uh, I also noticed some things which were, uh, you know, a little bit sad in a sense, too, and, and focusing much more on Nissan. They seem to lose a lot more money than other people. Why, why in a sense, too, did those people lose big money like Nissan and some of the other companies? We know that those ve- those companies that make trucks and the, the, and the still selling somewhat and uh, they sort of su- they're doing better at surviving. But why somebody like Nissan losing so much money? I think you can ascribe to that, Nick, uh, in part their management disarray, which has been in the full force for almost two years now, where you see all of these constant management changes. And it seems like a very bureaucratic organization where there's no one strong leader at the helm who's willing to uh, take a tight rein to the situation and force everybody to march down. If all might be a painful near-term set of decisions, so at least uh, push them to take really drastic decisions. And 
some organizations therefore just respond very slowly and bureaucratically and at least in the short run that tends to um hurt their financials tremendously i think Nissan right now may just be the poster boy for that type of a symptom uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the the sort of the truck sales. Uh, I noticed that some of these companies, uh, especially uh, people like uh, Mercedes and BMW, they're posting really good uh, sales. Uh, luxury car companies seem to do a lot better. Uh, and truck companies, uh, I know that they have very little inventory on the lot, but they're seeming to do a lot, a lot better during the pandemic as well. Is the key to survival what uh, kind of company you are, whether you're more of a truck and SUV? SUV company, or is the key to survival really whether you're in a luxury space that isn't so affected by the pandemic? Well, so yeah, there's there's some of that, Nick. I mean, certainly the truck side, definitely. You need to have the right product mix, but you also need to have the factories up and humming so you can actually sell those uh, higher margin cars. And in the case of the big three, they have to watch out for just simply now being able to have enough supplies, including from their uh, suppliers of engines and transmissions and so forth, in many cases located in Mexico, in order to continue to pull that off. So, yeah, it is a uh, it is a strange mix of um, of circumstances that could lead you to guide yourself through the current situation. But uh, let's not uh, make any mistake about it. It's really bad uh, for everyone. But if your product mix is wrong, you don't have the products that are in vogue right now, which are trucks and off-road type mobiles, and you look at the tremendous interest Ford has with over 170,000 deposits for the Bronco uh, as of about a few days ago, uh, those are the kinds of products that people are still willing to pay up for and where profit margins are strong. But if you just try to sell your average uh, Chevy Malibu, that might not be uh, uh, the strong suit in, the, in terms of uh, making money. All right, let's talk about uh, electric vehicles. General Motors have some news on their uh, electric vehicles coming up. Yeah, so in terms of GM, they got a question on their earnings call, their quarterly earnings call that took place, I believe, on Wednesday morning, uh, in which they were asked, uh, should you just change the name of the entire company to Altium? Altium is the name that they have given to their battery uh, architecture that will be coming out uh, near the end of next year where they will be producing uh, batteries at a lower cost and packaging, packaging them far more effectively than in the past. And uh, the company basically rejected that idea. But then they got a follow-up question, which was, should you spin out your electric car activities into a separate company and therefore perhaps get a higher valuation of that piece of the business than all of GM is getting today? The company basically said, well, we've been thinking about something and we haven't excluded it. We haven't ruled anything out. They certainly didn't admit to it. There's certainly no concrete admission that they were going to do anything, but they didn't completely reject the thought. And that should lead us to start thinking of how could they actually do this if they end up deciding to do this at some point. And the answer is that it's really difficult because if all of their existing brands are going to go electric just to varying degrees and at varying paces, even though they say Cadillac will be at the forefront of this, all the other, their other brands, from GMC to Chevrolet, Buick, and so forth, will all be getting electric cars. And as such, it becomes really hard to determine what are you really spinning out here if you're spinning something out, because all of the brands will be electric, so you can't spin out all of them, which will be uh, meaningless per definition. So uh, it's really going to have to take some serious thinking as to whether that would work. But uh, at least a thought is on the table, let's put it that, that way, and they are 
not rejecting that thought out of hand. Uh, I heard some interesting news the other day that uh, companies like Hyundai and Kia are going to withdraw a lot of their electric vehicles from the market. The sole EV is still questionable whether it's actually going to uh, continue in the United States. And the reason is because they want to plow a lot of their resources into making electric vehicles where they can have the credits. So, for instance, the new K5 is unlikely to have a plug-in hybrid version because they want to put a lot of their energy into where people can get tax credits. Are we going to see a sort of a firming up of the market for these uh, car companies that also make electrics? Uh, they're going to have less sort of plug-in hybrid brands and, and go for some solid electric vehicles so those people still have the opportunity of tax credits? Or do you think everybody's full force ahead in every direction? Well, it's almost the latter. There's full force uh, ahead in almost every direction, but you're also right in saying the precise uh, mix will, of course, be determined by tax credits and the like and the mandate. It's not just the tax credits, but it's really the, whatever it takes to achieve the mix that will be necessary for them to escape the fines. And, of course, Kia is monitoring that just like all the automakers very carefully. And what they're doing is that, you know, in, in so far as the toughest mandates right now are in Europe, their product plans are going to be somewhat skewed in favor of what Europe is requiring because the U.S. mandates are still a little bit unclear as to what they will need, need, uh, mean here in the medium term. And uh, that, that is really what is going to guide uh, their behavior. Uh, it's interesting to see uh, as the world's landscape evolves, uh, people change their minds about what they want to do. Uh, one of the things that is also changing is delivery uh, dates for the ID3, uh, Volkswagen's only in Europe electric vehicle. Is that going to start soon? Yeah, so they had uh, last week the first media drives uh, for the European journalists. So typically that forebodes delivery starting in barely over a month or maybe two at the most from now. So we should look at that being September. The showstopper had been a couple of software features, including the heads-up display, as well as their infotainment system. Uh, because it was based on different underpinnings than all the other Volkswagens, where those features have been working flawlessly, of course, in all of the cars that they have been delivering for the last several years. But when you change the underlying architecture from what is called a CAN bus, which is like the slow computer data networking infrastructure to uh, what is called Ethernet, which is a far, far faster um, type of technology. You have to rewrite that software. And somebody over there had a fat finger and just messed the whole thing up. And they're trying to get back on track with that. And hopefully they will do that soon. And uh, the first deliveries that will take place in September, some of these features simply won't work from day one. But they hope that within as little as a month or two, they'll be able to deliver those uh, software features as a as an over-the-air update, and then everybody will be uh, happy and smiling at that point. I noticed that Fisker announced uh, their electric pickup will take on the Rivian R1T. Uh, again, we still have to see a car from Fisker. Uh, a lot of their stuff is still... That's right. I mean, the money you, I mean, when it comes to Fisker, if there's one thing we have learned is that uh, let's, let's, not, uh, let's not put any hopes up. They have no money yet. They have no factories yet. They have not enough employees yet to pull any of this stuff off. Uh, I, I wish them the best. I hope they will make it through this valley of financing and execution. But they are nowhere near a company like a Rivian, let alone a Tesla, let alone any of these arguably other startups that 
where, I mean, even a little tiny company like a Bollinger is miles ahead of these guys. Even Nikola, which is going to make this uh, pickup truck as well, uh, it seems to be far, far closer to reality than anything coming out of Fisker. So uh, I smile and I, I, I uh, observe with anticipation that if they're ever going to get close to reality, but uh, we're many, many years from that at this point. Anton Walmart, independent analyst and investor. The Street of Seeking Alpha is where you can read a majority of his stuff. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri. Play our auto expert radio show, and all previous episodes of the podcast are available. Hours of endless fun awaits you. I'm Nick Miles. Our auto expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. And joining us on the phone to talk about one of the latest pieces of automotive technology is uh, Chris Reeves. He is from University Mazda in Seattle. Uh, the CX-30 is the answer to every Everybody's needs for a small crossover. Uh, Mazda's small crossover vehicle is sort of the SUV, CUV version of the Mazda 3. Uh, Chris, you, this has been a long time coming, and it's kind of exciting for the Mazda brand to have some sort of new entry-level uh, Mazda to come into the fleet, right? Yes, it's a great placement for our car coming in just above the CX-3 and below the CX-5. Uh, we, of course, are a Mazda family. We have a CX-5 in our family. So this this is sort of a white space that nobody had really filled. Uh, those people that wanted the small version were getting the CX-3. Why did uh, Mazda go with the name 30 rather than CX-4 or CX, you know, something else? You know, I think that had to do with some global naming rights. So they had to come up with the CX-30, and I think you're going to see some expansion in that category and some of our other nameplates as we continue through our 7th gen to our 8th gen product line. Uh, Tell me a little bit about what's different between the CX-3 and the CX-30, because initially I thought that this was just the new version of the CX-3, but that's not true. No, completely different vehicle. Size is probably the biggest thing. Is it answered any of the issues that somebody had with just wanting that little bit more elbow space, a little more creature comfort in the back seat? This vehicle answered it. And being a seventh gen product, what's it's just crazy how remarkably quiet this vehicle is. I think one of the things, Chris, that I, I've enjoyed most about the Mazdas is the drive. Uh, my dad has a CX-5. He, he gets it out on the freeway, and uh, you know he's 76 years old. He loves to flip it into sport and just overtake other vehicles. Yeah, it sort of gives him that zoom-zoom feeling. Uh, Mazda have never lost that, have they? No, and, and this vehicle has the same engine that the CX-5 is. So you take a little smaller vehicle, weighs a little less, but still has 186 horsepower with 186 pounds pounds of foot torque. It it is that that sort of zoom zoom feeling. Tell me who's going to be buying the CX30 because uh, it's an interesting. It, it sort of has a capability and sportiness. Is this for the the weekend warrior, somebody that wants to get out, maybe lives in the city uh, like Seattle, or Portland, or Chicago, and then gets out to the country on the weekend and takes the dog out, or who's the vehicle aimed at? Yes. Well, it's interesting segments. It's really, uh, we see a lot of people right between 20 and 35, but again, also retirees at 65 and older really uh, embracing this vehicle, both because of the ground clearance and in, in, in the Northwest, in the Seattle area. We've lot of downtown people, but they like to go hiking. So you've got ground clearance 
And this vehicle uh, seems to answer, you know, downtown, fold down the rear seats, have a hatchback, put stuff in, but then take it hiking on the weekends. Now, fuel economy wasn't missed in this as well, because I normally think of a crossover getting somewhere around 20 miles a gallon. But the, those those are very, very low numbers. Uh, this actually does pretty well. Yes, we've uh, seen as high as uh, freeway people getting 31, 32 miles to the gallon. And, and that's all with that 2.5 liter, 186 horsepower engine. Uh, so fuel economy is right there. At the same time, uh, when you look at the electronic amenities, uh, this vehicle has sort of the latest generation uh, infotainment, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yes, it's one of my favorite areas is our Mazda Connect system. So it comes with an 8.8-inch large screen display. But the coolest things I feel is we have these Mazda Connected services. So for three years complimentary with the car, you can download the My Mazda app connect it to your vehicle. You can do remote start, check vehicle health. Uh, it's all complimentary for the first three years. And you have something called the windshield projected uh, active drive display. Is that what most of us know as heads up? Yes, that is an available option. Uh, and, and I love the, also the op- option that you can actually get good audio in this too because so many times you get these sort of entry-level SUVs <laughs> and to be honest with you, the first thing I want to do is rip out the stereo, but you're not going to want to do that in this. No. No, and, and again, the stereo system that comes with this car is phenomenal, but I, I can't tout enough how quiet the vehicle is on the interior when you're driving down the, the freeway. Now, Mazda, of course, as well as known uh, for uh, great value for money and also the uh, zoom-zoom feeling, uh, the iActive uh, safety systems in this, uh, there's a long list of things that you get as features in this vehicle or as options in this vehicle that really make safety top of mind. Yes. I mean, the biggest thing is when you, when you come into any segment of automobile and you want to see what is standard and the things like high beam control, rear view camera, lane departure, lane keep assist, smart city brake, dynamic stability control, and even creature comforts, Mazda radar cruise control, adaptive cruise control with stop and go technology, all standard. I got accused yesterday of not staying in the lines on the road when I drive. Uh, And I drive for the road. I'm one of those people that is used to driving racetracks, too. So whichever way the road goes, I mean, if I happen to wander over the line, that's fine, as long as it's not a double yellow. Uh, I drive for how the road is, uh, the windy road is. But lane departure warning and lane keep assist really help you, uh, you know, if you shouldn't be such a great lane keeper, uh, Mazda and nudging you back to the way you should be keeping the lane, right? Well, did you see? Yeah. Did you see the long list of dealer-installed options as far as roof racking? It's yeah. insane. Kayaks, cargo, skis, that, uh, surfboards. Um, and would you go surfing in this, Jen? <laughs> <laughs> I might be able to reach it. That's always Jen's problem. There's another feature that might be good for you. We've got one called Driver Attention Alert. Ooh. And it detects when driver fatigue or decreased attentiveness to driving and then it'll sound a little warning uh, uh now uh, the cx30s are in stock what's the sort of starting price of these vehicles it started twenty one thousand nine hundred plus destination uh, and like i was saying all those safety features are standard at that price point 
Um, and I like those ideas as well, as well as cross-traffic alert and things like blind spot monitoring, all the things that I should probably have uh, uh, in my vehicle because I get in trouble all this time uh, by my other half saying I don't. You know, they said for someone that drives for a living, you, uh, you need to lose an awful lot of those safety systems. Well, it's true. I do drive for a living, but also, you know, the rules are there as a suggestion for me. That's the way it goes. Uh, Nick Miles rules. Yeah, my rules. Uh, <laughs> CX-30 uh, new from Mazda. Uh, if you're looking for that uh, small SUV that is for the weekend warrior where you can actually get out for the weekend and drive and have some fun hiking, put the dogs in the back, whatever you might need to do, it's the perfect vehicle for you. Uh, our Auto Expert is the website. You can read about the CX-30 and many other of our vehicles, see our TV segments. You can watch all of those. You can see the new Ford Bronco and F-150. We've talked talked about those today just a reminder that if uh, if you've ordered a ford recently we want to hear from you because we found some little anomalies in the ordering system we want to see if anyone else has experienced those as we went ahead and uh, ordered a brand new vehicle you can enjoy previous episodes of this show of course at the website ourautoexpert.com click on the podcast section uh, scroll down to the bottom you can do that also watch those videos and of course perry stern mike meredith our boss they're all writers for the website you can read their latest articles on the vehicles they've been test driving we've been test driving the Toyota Camry Hybrid and the Kia K5 this week. We'll tell you all about that in future shows. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response. 